Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are welcome to visit us at 1800 Apostle Johnson Way in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And be sure to check us out at www.thefcca.org. If you could join me. Our scripture this morning is coming from Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. Beginning at the first verse, we'll read a few verses, then they will uh, jump down and uh, run into the 16th verse and read a few verses there. I'm reading from the NIV, and it reads as such, beginning in verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. If you could drop down to verse 16. And it reads, he gave you manna, to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But verse 18 says, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. We're going to spend a little time this morning with you on money, finances, and me. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this hour, we thank you for you meeting us in our worship experience. We thank you for uh, those who have shared. And God, we come now to uh, your preach word. I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. Uh, I'm just a servant who has the responsibility of carrying the mantle this morning. Uh, I cannot do it without you, God. So you take, please, these few broken words and you would mold them if you would shake them together so that they might compel some, may shake some, and may move some to see you a little differently at the 12 o'clock hour than they did at the 10 o'clock hour. And so we bless you and we thank you now. It is in Jesus' name that we give God praise as you take your seats. Could you give God some praise?
Good morning, First Christian. The passage of scripture that was read in your hearing, it represents a blueprint, a prescription for how we accumulate the things of God. One of the things that we all have come to realize is that when you're talking about money to Christians, uh, it is not a popular topic. In fact, sometimes when you start talking about money in church, people begin to cling to their wallets and their purse. Uh, I would ask you not look around right now because someone may be holding on to theirs. And so, uh, but while it is important to teach salvation and the cross, it is also important to provide some practical teaching for daily living. But let me separate teaching on finances from senility. We all know at least one member who comes from the bedside Baptist on the solid rock, I stand church. And they always say that the reason I don't go to that church uh, is because they're always begging for money. But if truth be told, that person really doesn't understand finances. You see, if you understand finances, then you know the concept of finances. If you got a house or if you got an apartment, it's not free to live there. If you own a car, it costs you to drive it. The same holds true for the church. Ministry costs. Would you believe that in Scripture there are over 2,000 2, passages about money and finances? And because of that, God must have meant for some of it to be taught to his people. Over the next few Sundays, we're going to spend some time teaching on money and finances. My assignment this morning uh, is to introduce the series. Pastor Kay spent the last several weeks teaching on distractions. Uh, it was a powerful series from Nehemiah. How many of you were blessed by that series? Uh, if you were blessed, give God a praise. We learned some things about ourselves and about distractions. How many of you know that if you don't have enough money, it can be a distraction? You worry, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you're stressed out. It can also cause marital problems. Half of all divorces in this country are related to money matters. Most times when you solve the money problems, you solve the marital problems. But you don't, truth be told, that most of us are praying for one thing or another. But if you have some money, you don't really need a miracle. What am I saying? 
I heard someone say once that you can reduce your prayer list with a good check. You can reduce your prayer list with a good check. And for those of you who believe that, just whisper to your neighbor and tell him, tell him cut me a check. And tell that other neighbor, I don't need any money. I don't need any miracle. I need some money. So, so, so this thing called money and finances is something that we need to talk about. Which brings me to my first principle this morning. It is about culture and money. A subtopic on this principle is now you see it and now you don't. In 2009, and it was, uh, it was written in 2009, but published in 2015, Sports Illustrated reported that over 60% of NBA players are broke or bankrupt within five years after retirement. 60%. The numbers are even worse for those in the NFL. It goes to 78%. Uh, they're either broke or bankrupt after only two years out of the league. It's a problem. Uh, and it's not just a problem on that scale. It's a problem even on our own scale. See, when you give uh, someone money who is not accustomed to it, it is like giving them gasoline and a cigarette lighter. Uh, if you do that, something bad is going to happen. But you see, I did not grow up. I did not grow up with parents who talked about stock portfolios or investments. Uh, I didn't learn anything about diversified or balanced portfolios. Yeah, I did learn a little bit about you know, saving a little money and paying your bills on time. But today we're living in a generation who did not learn about the value of money. And, and if you go back far enough, you will find that even our ancestors were not taught about money either. When we came out of slavery, we started earning a paycheck. And when we got paid, what did we do? If you weren't used to it, what did we do? We spent it. We spent it. The thing that happens is that even now, we still spend uh, most on the bling and the bling and on shiny objects, uh, buying because we want it, because we need it. Buying because we want it and not because we need it. And so what has that do, done to us as a society? It's created a society where we buy what we want and we beg for what we need. Let me say that again. Today we're living in a society where we buy what we want, but the things that we need, we end up begging for it. I don't know if I'm talking about anybody, but I've even been there myself, and we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But you know, there's, 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 there, there are examples all around us. One of the greatest ambassadors of Nike shoes, Michael Jordan, rarely wears the brand of shoes himself. Uh, but if you would fast forward and look into 
our neighborhoods, or even in our communities. Uh, our teenagers are wearing $250 Jordans uh, and don't even have a savings account. And it's not the teen's fault, because most times they don't have the money. It's people like you and I. Mike Zuckerberg, we're talking about money. This brother's got a little money. He's the founder and CEO of Facebook. But this brother wears every day jeans and T-shirts to work. She might ask, well, what's, what's the deal with jeans and T-shirts? He's worth over $80 billion. So what's the deal on jeans and T-shirts? Well, he gives this reason. He says, the reason I do that is, I don't waste energy on what I wear. Uh, that's not really important to me. And, and I come to understand that a man's worth $80 billion. If he can get by with wearing jeans and T-shirts, then I have to ask myself, why does that one on, in, in the neighborhood or in the school ground is wearing a $250 pair of Jordans and don't even have a laptop. One of the things that we have to do is we can no longer use the excuse, no longer use the excuse of not being taught about finances. See, breaking the cycle of this thing called finance and money starts with you and I. That's right, you and I. So we're not looking to our neighbors to the left or right. We're talking about you and I. We have to teach this thing to ourselves. And, and then we have to teach it to our children. And black lives matter. I think we've heard that. And all life matters, some have even said. But I want to tell you that money matters. If you got some, it matters. If you don't have some, it still matters. Uh, because if you want to have an exchange with someone, you can't do it based on your word. If you roll up in, in, in Macy's and say, I want to walk out of the store with this suit, yes, you can walk out of the store with that suit, but you better leave something on the counter. Money matters. I've even heard people say when you're talking about money, so, so, so what does this have to do with scripture? Uh, well, it has everything to do with scripture. You see, when our reading, God gave us power to produce wealth. That's what the scripture said. But when we get it, he wants us to be good stewards of it. You don't get it just to flaunt it. He wants you to be good stewards of it, which takes us over to principle number two. To get what you never had, sometimes you have to do what you've never done. You see in the scripture, if you go back to the early parts of Deuteronomy and even all of the historical books of the Bible, God talks about the children of Israel and the exit out of Egypt. 
You see, God gave the children of Israel a vision of the promised land. It took Joshua and Caleb to describe it, and they did. They described it as a land that was flowing in milk and honey. It was different than anything they had ever seen. But the problem was, most of them were still stuck in Egypt. They focused more on where they came from than where God was taking them. When you pay more attention to your past, it is impossible to imagine the new possibilities that are before you. And you see, money has the same effect. When your bank account looks like it's been on an oodles and noodles diet, uh, it's hard to imagine eating at Ruth Chris. And, and I want you to know, folks, I, I'm not hating on noodles. I'm not hating on noodles. And, and I'm not plugging Ruth Chris. You see, for me, oodles was on my top three list of college meals. It was right behind peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And when I had a little more quarters in my pocket, it was right in front of grilled bologna and cheese sandwiches. I don't know about you, but we used to be able to hook that up. You see, you always went to school with an iron, so an iron did more than iron clothes. It was a microwave before microwave came into being. It was an oven before ovens came into this new technology. You took that peanut butter and jelly, peanut, you took that bologna and cheese sandwich, wrapped it in a little aluminum foil, laid it down on the bed, dropped that iron on it for a few minutes. You working it out. Are you working it out? It sounds like somebody know what I'm talking about. Look, if, if, if you're on the starting line right about now and you're thinking about and contemplating things, uh, whatever those, those crosswords are for you in life, whether it's going back to school or getting a job, you know, it may be hard sometimes for us to see the finish line. Uh, but I want you to know so that even though it takes courage, um, sometimes we simply have to start. And so when you're at the starting line, I would simply say, just start. I, I don't care what it looks like. You've simply got to tell yourself, my current situation, where I am today, does not define where God wants me to be. That's why Romans 4.17 says, speak those things that are not as though they are. See, sometimes you have to flip that script. Although it may look like it's impossible. You start speaking it into existence, and things will change. And Paul picked it up and said, he said, sometimes eyes have not seen, and neither has ears heard it, and neither has it entered into the hearts of man, the thing that God has for you. And sometimes we, when we focus more on man than God, our eyes are in the wrong place. As we said, Moses sent 12 into the promised land, but only two came back, Joshua and Caleb. And they were the two who had the courage 
uh, to give the people a blueprint of the promised land. They were only two who could see the promise in the promised land. One of the things that we read in Deuteronomy in the first verse, it said that God said that to the people, he said to live and multiply. This is important because he did not say live and add. Live and multiply. He did not say live and add. There is a difference. You see, God does not deal in our elementary addition. His calculations do not use the logic of earthly mathematics. You remember the parable of the talents over in Matthew 25. Uh, this was a powerful lesson on the giver and the gift. How does this thing connect? You see, most people would say that when the landlord gave them their, the, the investment, when he gave them talents, he gave, as scripture goes, he gave one five and he gave one two and he gave one one. The thing that we often say when we talk about this is we said they all doubled what God gave them. But I just told you that God doesn't deal in our earthly mathematics. The reality is they didn't double what they were given. One of them received a 500-fold increase. And how did he get that? Well, you see, what, what did he start with? He started with nothing. It was the landlord who gave him something. He gave him five talents. So when you start with zero and you produce five, then that's 500%-fold increase. That's the mathematics that the God we serve deal with. The one that he gave two talents. He started with nothing with the two that he was given, but his bank account before he was given it was zero. So God deposited, the landlord, I should say, deposited two talents in his bank account, and he turned it into a 200-fold increase. So the next time you hear that scripture, even when you read it in your personal study, say, look at my God. He can take nothing and turn it into a 200-fold increase, a 500-fold increase. That's the God that we serve. Let me roll on the principle number three because we got to get up out of here. Uh, principle number three says what you see is not what you should strive to be. And this one is a little hard for most of us. We do things sometimes based on how we were taught, how we were raised. Uh, the fact is most people are still living in the same lane today that they lived in when they were 21. I'm not cutting on anybody. I'm just telling like it is. Uh, they were financially stressed at 21, and they still have those same stressors at age 50. What's the problem? Help me finish this statement, if you would. Old habits die. Old habits die. What about this one? You can teach an old dog. You can't teach an old dog new. You see, sometimes when we learn things and we were raised a certain way, 
And that's all we know. But if you've been struggling with your finances a long time, then you've got to begin to do something different. It's no fun living from paycheck to paycheck. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that is not, and I repeat, not part of God's divine plan. Uh, someone might say, Pastor DeCasso, well, you don't know. You don't know what I've had to deal with. Uh, no, I don't. But by the same token, you don't know what I've had to go through either. You see, I know what it means to be without. And I remember times early in my marriage, and I told my wife I wouldn't put her on the spot, but there was a time uh, when my wife and I, it got so bad that we were banned from writing checks at the grocery store. You know how you do sometimes when you know you're getting paid on Monday. Uh, you feel if I can skip past the bank closing on 6 o'clock Friday, uh, I, I got a little runway, you see. So, so, so Saturday and Sunday, uh, all I want to do is if I can sneak up in there and write this check, and, and if, they're living right, if they're living right, they'll hold that thing to Monday. And, and, and when that truck rolls in with my check on and it drops it at that bank, then that check from the grocery store will follow right after it. But how many of you know everybody didn't play my game? Uh, they didn't play my game. There were times when it looked like that, I wrote that check, that teller took it straight to the bank. And I'm like, what are you doing? But you see, I, I, I remember, because I also remember that we, we were, when it got so bad, we were typing term papers for grocery money. I can remember we paid all of our bills each week. We would pay all of our bills. We had like $5 left on a good week. But you know, that was enough to get a, a bag of popcorn. And we'd get that bag of popcorn and sit there on Friday nights. Our, our Friday night flight was watching Falcon Crest in Dallas eating popcorn. So, so no, 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 no. I don't know what you've been through, but I know what I've been through. You see, we, we did not settle for where we were. I can also remember having a primary job and up to three side hustles. And my wife was playing catch up. She had a primary job and two side hustles. We were working that thing. But today, I can now say like Paul have said, he said, I know how to live on almost nothing. And I know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. What it is with a full stomach and even an empty one, with plenty and with little. Trust me when I say, I, I, I like when my stomach is full and not empty. I don't like living on an empty stomach. I don't know about you, but I don't like 
living on an empty stomach. Let's get to my last point. I got to sit down. Last principle, and I'm going to take my seat. You make a plan, and you work the plan. We're talking about money and finances, and you make a plan on what you're doing, with what you've been blessed with, what God has given to you. And when you make that plan, you just work that plan. You see, the, the scripture that we read in closing, in, in earlier rather, it says in, in verse 18, it says, remember, remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And when he does that, he so confirms his covenant with you. This same covenant he swore with his ancestor, with our ancestors. And it is with us today. You see, God gives each one of us the power to produce wealth. That's what, that means with each and every one of us. We have this power, this potential to produce. But most of the time, it is not about simply having money. It's about having a plan. I can give you money, but if you don't have a plan, it means nothing. You've heard it said, easy come. That means you're living without a plan. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. If you would, and I'm coming to a close, you know, you can't really have a good discussion and really a, 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 a discussion behind the sacred desk if you don't at least in some way introduce Malachi 3.10. And I'm not introducing it to beat anyone across the head. But you see, when you hook up with that foundational scripture that is Deuteronomy 8 and 18, and you hook it up with Malachi 3.10, you've got the best plan that money cannot buy. What are you saying, Nicosir? You see, if you put these two together, God gives us the power, the potential to produce wealth. If you would walk with me, I'm holding my hand, 10 $1 bills. If God gave me the power to produce wealth, that means go on a job and earn a fair share. And if this happens to be my fair share on this past week, His only ask of us is that out of these 10 right here, if you would oblige yourself, because I was the one when you got up Monday morning and, 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 and did not feel like it, I was the one that gave you a little press. And you rolled up in the job and someone said something you didn't like and you just kept pressing on. I was the one on Tuesday when you said, I ain't going in today because they already talked about me. But you pressed anyway. 
on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. You made it in anyway. So if I was the one that gave you the power, gave you the potential to produce what you have in your hands, would you oblige me by giving me one of them? That's all he's asking for from us. What does that mean? He means if you give me one, I'm going to allow you to keep nine of them. I don't know about you. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 this is really simple for me. If I hooked up with someone who gave me a plan like that, mean they're going to help me to earn 10, and all I have to do is give them one, I'm running. I'm running. I'm going to get in on that. That's what we're talking about this morning, church. But, but you see, our problem sometimes is we trust more in man than we do in God. Uh, what do I mean by that? We rely on these folks we call predatory lenders. Uh, they're just like these payday lenders. We go to them when we're in need, and they charge us these extraordinary interest rates, 30 and 40 and sometimes even up to 50%. Uh, but you know, as Christians, we ought to put them jokers out of business. Uh, they're making a killing preying on us, on the financially illiterate, week after week. I don't mean any harm, but that's got to stop. God give us the ability to produce wealth, not to turn around and give it back uh, to these jokers who wants to take it and grow their own chests. But see, you can't do this if you don't understand how this thing truly works. Let me see. I think I got my wallet here somewhere. Y'all can hold on to y'all. Wallets and purse. I'm not asking for any of it. I'm sorry, Bishop. When we get our offering, our tithes and offering, I will. So, so let me make sure that's straight. But you see, one of the things that we, we must understand is that this thing should never control you. And what do I mean? We've got to look at this thing lay it down and said, instead of that, we say, God, I acknowledge you over that. You gave me power to have that. And because you gave me power to have that, I cannot do anything without you. Everything I am is because of you. I will not worship, will not worship what's in my wallet. And when you get to the place where you will not worship this more than you worship him, you found a hookup with the plan. You see, you see, it's not only about making the plan, it's about working the plan. The key part of working the plan is not allowing this to direct you. Yes, I can acknowledge what God has done in my life, meaning I, I can acknowledge that it is not my job, it is not my education, it is not even my career. None of those things. 
But God, it is you who made it possible. You gave me the power to produce wealth. When you get to the place where you recognize that it was only God and not yourself, you're in a place where you understand that you can take a, a plan that you've made up and allow God to help you work it. As I close, you don't worship the gift more than the giver. This was the deal with the children of Israel. They were so focused on where they came from, they complained every day. God fed them every day. They complained every day. God fed them every day. Is that a broken record? You see, the more he gave them, the more they complained. The more he gave them, the more they complained. And when we talk about this thing called money, finances, and me, we've got to talk about this and realizing that we've got so many, so many generational curses over money and finances. And so many that most of us don't think that generationally, when it comes to finances, we, we don't even think. We've become so perplexed with money that we don't even think about it. This is something that happened, as I said earlier, because over, over 400 years ago, when we came out of slavery, no one taught us what it meant to, to, to have money and to what to do with it. So you see, we, we have been living with, with money, but not knowing what to do with it. We've got to break this curse. We've got to break this curse. That's why when Malachi says, test me in this, he simply says in, in, in verse three, in, in 310, he said, prove me and see. If I will not open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it, that's the plan I want to work with. I, I want to see those floodgates open. And, and I don't mind it just rolling all over me because if that's God's promise, that means that's what he has for me. You see, God doesn't just give us enough for ourselves. When those floodgates open, they don't just open for us. I'm talking about generations that it opens for. It's not only your children, but it's your children's children and their children. When he opens the floodgate, it means he opens it for our entire family. So if you want to break the financial curse of money in your family, all I simply have to say to you is prove God. If you prove God, you can open the very essence of what God has for you. If you believe it, if you accept it, give God a praise this morning.